Hello listeners, this is just a quick one. Dave is up north in I don't know, Port Douglas and uh, Palm Cove and all those sunny places at the moment enjoying some sunshine and some relaxation. So we've got an episode we both recorded uh, with Inner North Brewing a couple of weeks ago and uh, Dave's not here to do the intro. He'll be back next week. Uh, to do the intro and outro for our next show, which will be with Artisan Brewing outside or out of WA there. Uh, that's going to be a really good one, but so is the one that you're about to listen to. Uh, I'm not going to do an outro or anything for this, uh, so yeah, thanks for listening. Check us out on, on social media, um, aleofatime.com. Uh, check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash aleofatime. We've got some things in the works for that coming soon. And also we've got a Good Beer Week event uh, now that the Good Beer Week guide is live. And that's going to be a live podcast with Melissa Cole, the beer writer out of the UK. Uh, that's really exciting. That's going to be on the Monday night at the Catfish during Good Beer Week. And that one's going to be free. So if you're at a loose end on a Monday night during Good Beer Week, then get along. It'll be, I'm sure it'll be a good time. No doubt we'll uh, dive into some, some touchy issues, uh, controversial issues, we'll say. Anyway, that's all from me. Uh, I'll throw to me and Dave and Zach from Inner North. Cheers. Good afternoon, Dave. How are you? I'm all right, thanks. Uh, sitting in a lovely new brewery in Brunswick. Yeah. It's a really nice space. Definitely. Um, and we've got the, the brewer co-founder, Zach Skerritt. Zach, Soul founder. Sorry, soul founder, yeah. sorry. <laughs> I think I'm just used to calling everyone a co-founder. Yeah. <laughs> One-man operation. That's it. In uh, a North Brewing Company. That's right. How long have you been going for? We opened about three weeks ago. Cool. Yeah. Uh, we moved into the space, though, about eight months ago. Yeah. And... Uh, Got our permits uh, early Feb, so we uh, we opened our doors. Cool. Yeah. Uh, we first met when you were at Henry Street Brewhouse. That's right. Yeah. In Kensington. Kind of a similar operation in terms of size. Um, well, this, is, this does seem a bit bigger, but um, a small operation kind of in a back street. Um, well, yeah. I mean, it's basically a uh, limited budget independent brewery operation. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, the floor space is uh, about three times the size and uh, yeah, we've... I've took basically took some lessons I learned through uh, Henry Street and uh, tried to uh, give myself some room to uh, to grow into here. Yeah. yeah. So tell us the sort of reasoning behind uh, Inner North and sort of how it came about and what the the focus of it is. Uh, well, I mean, the the focus is basically to make uh, make fun beers, make beers that um, you know bring people together and give and and help people have a good time, uh, which is what I think all beers should be. Um, so we wanted to have a good space where, where people could come in and partake. And uh, we, want, we really wanted to be in the inner north. Uh, I mean, I live in Fitzroy, and, um, but I've spent a lot of time in Brunswick and in the area and uh, just felt uh, our market and our audience would be, would be best here. So I was glad I found a, a good back street in Brunswick to, mm. uh, to start brewing from. Uh, take us back to how you started brewing. Uh, home brewer. Yeah, cool. Yeah, um, probably about... Nine years ago now, I started. Um, moved into a house, and one of my flatmates brewed back in the day. And it was kind of sort of the first time I thought about, oh, somebody can make beer at home. That sounds like fun. 
Um, there's really only kind of room for, I don't know if you've noticed this living in shared houses, but there's really only kind of room for one brewer in a house. <laughs> so I didn't really start doing it myself until he moved out um, and uh, got into it very uh, aggressively. And um, it was all, it was all uh, like partial mash uh, extract stuff in the early t- days and made a bit of a bottle room out the back and just uh, it was all carved uh, bottle conditioned and yeah through a few parties and with, with like 10 different beers and yeah got very very aggressively into it and obviously like many home brewers started thinking oh I wonder if I could do this uh, professionally and um, so started play- toying with the idea of uh, how one could get into the industry back then and it took it, pro- it took a long time to be honest before uh, the vision sort of solidified and and uh, working, Phil and I started brewing all, Phil was my old business partner at uh, Henry Street. And so we started brewing together and, um, and uh, we, many years down the road after brewing all grain, we were finally kind of thought of a way, ah, on the cheap, how can we, with almost no money, start brewing beer for people? Um, and so that's when we started Henry Street. Yeah, so I had a little bit more funding this time around, which was really good, um, which basically um, I'm hoping has allowed me to start with a bit more of a, uh, a solid foundation for a, uh, for a more viable business kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, Henry Street was kind of a, almost a homebrew setup, was it? Something you guys Yeah, we, we used a, uh, it was a glorified, it was Blue Billy the Rainmaker, it was a glorified uh, homebrew setup that Phil and I built from scratch. Um, uh, and it was it was a hundred liter system. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and this is still kind of on a small scale, but it's slightly mm. bigger. Yeah. Well, now we're now we're brewing with a uh, we're using one of the Spiegel Braumeisters, and so that's a uh, or Brewmeister, however it's pronounced, and uh, it's a it's a five hundred liter system. So you can you can either you can either get a seven you can get a seven hundred liter batch out of it if you're if you're brewing a five percent beer. Yeah. So it's a it's small enough that you can play around with and you can afford it, but it's. Uh, it's uh, it's big enough that your uh, labor input for each keg's uh, not out of control, yeah. so you can actually make money doing it. <laughs> You've also got an engineering background, is that right? Yeah, I, I was originally I used to be a structural engineer back in the day. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and just having a little tour earlier, everything seems to be uh, well planned out and also future proof almost is that a lesson you learned from henry street or just something that you drew from that sort of experience definitely a lesson i learned from henry street was you want to have more floor space than you think you need um and uh yeah so i put a lot more well i put a lot more thought and time into it and looking at i was looking at lots of different warehouses it was it's something that's changed in the last three years is it's getting harder to find a good warehouse um, there's a lot more demand for them out there. Everyone wants to be a coffee roaster, yoga studio, or brewery, um, and, st- and people still need them for storage. So it's getting really hard to find good warehouses. So uh, I did about five floor plans for five other warehouses. Um, tr- so I got, got a little practice doing it after a while. <laughs> but the way the way I sized it was uh, basically um, sort of backwards to the way a lot of people uh, mod- size their brewing equipment is rather than uh, work out the biggest brewery I could afford. Um, I sort of said, well, I can afford this 500 liter system. How much, if we were brewing around the clock, how many tanks could I fill? And uh, how much floor space would that take up? And then you work backwards from there and you work out how, how big you need your warehouse to be. And I, I landed on 300 square meters being about as small as you want to go. 
And it really depends on the layout as well. Like if you've got bathrooms down the back of a 40 meter long warehouse, which this one is, um, you're losing 40 square meters because you got to leave people a corridor to walk all the way down to the bathroom. Yeah, so this one, fortunately, the, the bathrooms are up at the front. And uh, so we can, you can have the brewery in, down the back and the bar up in the front. It's a great looking warehouse. Like yeah, thanks. What did it used to be? You're saying it's a. It is. I, wait, so you do, I did all the. You have to do all the historical stuff uh, to get a planning permit in Brunswick and work out when it was built and all that. There wasn't, we couldn't actually figure out when it was actually built. So it was built either late 60s or early 70s. And it was uh, originally built as a cold works. Uh, so they, did, they made ice. They uh, were cold storage. They did ice cream for a while. Um, just kind of refrigeration back when people, not everyone had a refrigerator, that kind of thing. Um, so uh, up at the front, you can still see I've left some of the, uh, there's some heavy steel pipes that were the old refrigeration lines. And so they were so heavy and solid, I didn't want to bother getting rid of them because they just weigh down my skip. You know? <laughs> but um, but the, the, there was a, when I moved in, there was a ceiling throughout the entire place, um, solid wood with uh, big thick layers of cork board stacked on top and lots of loose cork on top of that and 50 years of dust. And uh, so that was one of the first jobs when I, when, when I moved in was we had to uh, rip out about 12 tons of material and get it taken away in six big skips. Um, yeah. You move, removed all that ceiling and everything yourself? Yeah, yeah. How uh, long did that take you? Two solid weeks. Uh, two, so, two solid weeks of 12-hour days, um, 12, 14-hour days. And uh, it was the only way to do it was by hand, running, basically running a circular saw upside down above your head um, along the ceiling for every ceiling joist and then going up above with a reciprocating saw and cutting it down in chunks and knocking it down. So it was actually better that I probably better I did it on my own because it's a lot safer than needing to about somebody else walking under the ceiling at the wrong time. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was a lot of dust. I had a very good dust mask, but um, I had, was having lunch in the car for two weeks and, and at the end of each week, the car would be filled with dust from me getting in and out of it twice oh, a day. Jesus. But it was, yeah, it was a massive war on dust, but um, <laughs> it, but it was really uh, rewarding because we have all these clear uh, roof panels. So it, just went from being looking a bit like a drug den to just being like an open, almost beer garden type feel. Definitely um, yeah. opens it up a lot because it would have uh, made the perceived space a lot smaller with all the uh, all the ceiling there. But gee, it's a beautifully naturally lit warehouse and a genuinely nice spot for a beer, I think. Mm. Was there any point where you were doing all that where you're just like, what the hell am I doing <laughs> <laughs> every day? Several times. I've got this wonderful optimistic personality, though, where I always I only look at the current job in front of me and all the other jobs that will follow that job are reduced to, oh, they won't take long. And it's not, so each each job as you, pro, as you deal with it, it's, you just deal with one problem at a time and it gets it blows up to its you know, realistic proportion while you're doing it, but yeah. the next job's going to be easy. Yeah. You know? So um, never more true when taking a ceiling down, I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, was the table we're sitting at as well? You made this. Yeah. Well, pretty much everything in the bar. Um, uh, I, I built myself. Um, so yeah, so this is a table built out of a few panels of uh, rubber wood, which is a really good hardwood. Um, and, uh, yes, yeah, sanded it, you know, you joined them together and stained it and, put a bit of a uh, couple coats of polyurethane on there and you've got a nice big communal table. I really wanted to have a place where uh, you get like good groups together and I wanted a good big table where either you could have several small groups sharing it or one big group uh, having a big meal over it. So 
It, got, it, it was one of the first, it got built before the bar top got built because it was actually the test piece for our bar top. Um, I wanted to make sure it looked the right way and, and we needed a table for our, uh, just had a, we were having a, f a few mates, we had a nice uh, big dinner party um, around Christmas time. So it was, uh, it was good to, when it, ca it came out nice and so we did, the bar top looks exactly the same. Yeah, did yeah. you um, formulate the design theme once you got rid of the ceiling and saw what everything sort of looked like in here? Uh, it's yeah, it's, so it sort of is a, a bit of an organic process. I need to give full credit to um, my artist, my creative director, who's uh, my girlfriend uh, Victoria Chantra. Um, she also was very heavily involved in Henry Street's uh, aesthetic um, in the early days. Um, so it was sort of a she's very talented at what she does, um, but she uh, she likes to see things before she makes final decisions on them. So. Uh, a lot of decisions uh, were made later than I necessarily would have liked. Um, but when the ceiling came down and we saw the, uh, the, the old metal trusses that uh, sort of are all like a dark brown from the rust, uh, that's when she, de she decided to uh, forego her love of pale woods and go for a darker stain. So things like that. And the benches, I, I sort of designed the floor plan for like how the bench layouts and stuff would be. Um, and then like, Basically, it's, it's a combination of what she wants and what I can build, and that's sort of how we uh, worked worked on it. And like the bar tiles, we were always going to tile the bar front, um, but they uh, changed to be square, kind of a sage color tiles at the last minute. Right? For, a, for a long time, they were going to be dark navy, sort of like old school pub tiles. But mm. Was that to match that enamel sink or whatever I saw? In the I corner? think that was an accident. Oh, uh, right. Well, Victoria would probably say it wasn't, but um, <laughs> that old enamel sink I found above the, the, the original bathrooms when I moved in. It was up above the ceiling and it was cast iron. So it weighs an absolute ton. Um, but yeah, uh, actually we had someone come photograph the place and she's like, if you ever move out of here, I want this sink. I will pay thousands <laughs> for it. But yeah. Yeah, I really like I guess the combination of the tiles, the color of the tiles, and then the kind of the, the brick. It's kind of a modern bar in a. Yeah, and, it, it bring, it, and we're going to get more plants in and stuff. Cool. So and the, the greens work together nicely. Tell us about the beers. We haven't talked about beer yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so the beers, the beers are, I mean, it's, it's kind of interesting. Uh, a lot of home brewers that start a brewery, they've got their sort of heritage recipes they can bring, bring to, the, uh, to the bar. Um, but unfortunately, I had to leave a lot of those behind at my last brewery. Um, so it's been a fun journey kind of developing recipes uh, completely from scratch. Um, so we're going with a different malt supplier um, this time around. I'm using Gladfield malt, and I've been really happy with it so far, uh, both, both with the actual malt and with the, uh, the customer service and the support you get from them. And um, so when I was developing the I, I basically, you know, you have to have easy drinking pale ales is the, your first priority um, is if you're having a bar. And um, so I, I did a round of tastings uh, while we were building the brewery. It, it took me a while to get to the point where I had a clean enough space to even brew little pilot batches. Um, but like the first tasting, I just did a really basic, uh, easy drinking hop profile on a bunch of beers. And, I didn't, and they were all single malt. And I all used a different base malt just so I could kind of get to know what I was working with. So it was a little bit more systematic uh, this time around of uh, getting to know each ingredient a little bit more intimately as individually. And I did a round where once I found a nice malt profile I really liked, I did a round where it was single hopped with different, of, of all the different Australian hops I hadn't used yet. Um, so yeah, so we came up with some really good recipes. Um, and so at the moment, uh, kind of the, we've, I've sort of developed uh, a they're, they're still getting refined because we've only just started using the big, bigger equipment. 
Um, but at the moment, we've got two easy drinking pale ales on tap. Um, one I call the Grandpa Pale, which is uh, yeah, it's got some Galaxy and some Ella in there, and it's uh, but it's not it's not very, it's not super fruity. Something that uh, Grandpa, who really likes to drink Carlton Dry, might be able to deal with. Um, and then we've got a, another, another, the other easy drinking pail is called the Easy Pail, and that's a little bit more interesting from a malt perspective. Um, and it uh, uses Astra hops as the as the, as the dominant hop in it, um, along with a couple of others. Um, and uh, so all all Aussie hops so far. And then we've also got a, uh, I'm probably going to call it the uh, WTFPA. Um, it's it, we'll call it the Hoppy Pale, but it's the beer style. It's like an XPA eight. American pale ale style, whatever you want to call it these days. <laughs> you could even probably call it a session IPA. <laughs> like there's so many <laughs> options out there now. Um, but uh, it's that's that's got uh, Enigma hops and uh, and um, and a and a slightly darker malt profile. And uh, I've also got a uh, an IPA, which I'll probably it'll probably get it. I'll probably crank it up to a double IPA uh, uh, called the Lerve IPA, um, and it's. Uh, it's, uh, uses Topaz and, uh, Fortnite hops and, um, has, uh, some Aurora malt in it from Gladfield, which I've, uh, and, a, and a few other crystals that, uh, I've been really finding the Gladfield malt has a lot of really good character. Um, uh, and so just been dialing in that malt profile. So those are sort of the core beers that we've sort of, I've sort of managed to develop while building the place. And, um, uh, one of the great things about my setup is I've, I've got a great brewing space that's easy to clean and easy to work in. So whipping up a few pilot batches is, is really easy and fun. So uh, the idea is that we'll probably have like six core beers that eventually on the taps. And then we'll have another, we have 12 taps all together at the bar. So we'll probably rotate in just constant new beers um, and like refining new core beers and that kind of thing on the other six taps. So, um, like, so in the pipeline right now, like, well, today on tap, we've got a, an Irish stout for St. Patrick's Day, another hoppy stout. We've got a, uh, and we've got a, uh, an amber ale as well, which is called a, I once knew a girl named Amber. And, um, uh, and then in the pipeline, I've got a couple of, uh, Irish reds and, uh, I let, uh, I've sort of got, we've got an inner circle group, uh, of about a hundred people that have sort of been involved in the brewery in some way. Um, eight of them helped pour the slab in the brewing area and or gave us a lot of support over the over the uh, the months. And so that, I did a flash poll with them uh, the other day and, and let them choose, you know, the beer I was brewing that day. And they chose a, a New World uh, Red IPA and instead of a cherry cherry wheat, which was the other option. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we just just having just having fun. And I'm I'm develop, I'm also started uh, working on um, I want to do a toasted rice uh, pale ale. Um, start playing around with that a little bit. Does the bit. toasted rice just change the mouthfeel of the beer a bit? Well, the, use, using flaked rice in the brew will. It'll lighten it up a lot. Um, but um, uh, the toasted rice will be more... In a, I, I'm, I've, never, I've never brewed with the toast... With, with, I've never actually used toasted rice, um, but I'm hoping it'll give it a nice, uh, a nice bit, a little bit of, uh, you know, toasted maltiness to the flavor and maybe affect the smell a little bit. We'll see. We'll see. I've, I haven't used it before. But like it's sort of inspired by uh, Genmai Cha, which is like a green tea with toasted rice in it. Um, but we probably won't uh, use the green tea, but we'll probably just um, maybe use some other herbs or something in there to give it a, or just a, pick the right hop to kind of give it that flavor. And I'm, gonna, I'm planning to do a bit of a journey with it because uh, 
it's, it's sort of going to be in partnership with a restaurant uh, around the corner called Good Days. They do Vietnamese, Vietnamese food on Sydney Road. So we're going to, we might play around with doing a progression of uh, toasted rice beer followed by like, coconut rice beer followed by mango sticky rice beer you know <laughs> this is going to play around yeah what's the i guess there's a lot of room for growth here yeah uh, what's the kind of long-term plan or even medium-term plan um well sh- at the moment we only have two uh, un- uh two fermenters and uh, so short-term short-term medium-term plan is to get uh, another four of those so and they're just uni tanks yeah we're just going to use uni tanks yep. and um they're, they're good to use um and we're not, we don't filter any of our beers, so we'll have longer cycle times once we kind of fully uh, find our feet and get on top of things. Um, the last, I won't, I won't lie, the last few beers had to, had to uh, go into kegs a little bit quicker than I would have liked, um, just because just we ran out of beer after our opening night. But um, <laughs> it's a good problem to have, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, um, yeah, we'll, we'll probably stick with uni tanks. Um, and although when, if we get a canning, we're, I have... Uh, ambitions to get a canning line more or less as soon as I can uh, and uh, as soon as I can uh, justify the cost and because uh, people love takeaways and uh, Brunswick love, loves cans and um, and then it's a good way to get into a lot of small restaurants that don't have taps in the area so like uh, the next for the next six months we'll, be, we'll definitely be predominantly just the bar um, and then uh, the after six months, we'll probably we'll probably start trying to get into uh, local restaurants and and bars in the area that um, appreciate the fact that the beer is made around the corner. Um, but yeah, that's sort of the and then yeah, the, we, I, lots of room to grow. So the brewing area is currently about forty square meters, and I've got about eighty square meters of uh, space I can extend that out to. Yeah. I noticed the signage um, and some of the marketing is very, very simplistic and clean. Is that going to translate to the can uh, art? That will definitely translate to the can art. Um, we've, uh, Victoria worked with a uh, uh, very talented graphic designer um, named Ryan Beniston. He's, uh, he's actually moving back to Australia soon, but he's been based in Amsterdam uh, for the last few years. Um, so I'm looking forward to having a beer with him again. Um, but uh, yeah, no, definitely... Uh, it's definitely, and it, tra- it doesn't just, tra- it's not going to just translate into the can design. It's going to, it translates into the beer recipes. So for a lot of the core beer recipes, we try to keep, I try to keep it as simple as possible. Um, there's no need to necessarily to throw seven hops into a beer. Um, so we try to, try to keep things simple. Um, yeah. You also mentioned uh, that you were, had enough space to put a little cocktail station in the future. And I noticed you getting the signs going, you're offering Boilermakers as well. Is that mm. sort of like overall uh, beverage service in the f- future plans for the venue? Yeah, like it's just something that we'll have to grow into because, um, I mean, it's a one-man operation, right? So uh, I, it's going to take a while before uh, we get to the level where I can hire uh, the right people to help us do things right but um yeah we do really want to set up a uh really want to set up a cocktail station in one area of the bar and and have a focus on beer cocktails uh which is something that a lot of people have played with over the years but uh nobody i don't think anyone's really embraced it in the way they could um and i think it really takes a brewery to do that because if you're just an ordinary bar you might as well just make cocktails and on, on one level so uh I think it'll I think it'll work out really well, and uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but uh, a little there's actually a uh, 
I don't know if I should name them yet, but there's actually a whisk a distillery moving in across the street from us. Ooh. Oh wow! So they'll have a cocktail bar, I'm sure, as well. They've got a lot of permitting to go through, so I'm not sure if they want me to to tell people about it yet. Yeah, right. Fair um, enough. We'll get that one off mic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's kind of that's kind of cool to have a a distillery and a brewery side by side. Yeah, no, uh, I was very happy when I found out that they'd be they'd be moving in. Um, yeah, and we there's kind of a we talked about it before the there's Himmelhund and Foreigner Brew House as well. Yeah, kind of all within walking distance and kind of like that kind of you know small setup servicing kind of a, a local area. Yeah, so adding a, a distillery into that mix as well. Suddenly, if I'm looking for, to spend Saturday afternoon. Wandering around a few places, like yeah, and there's a, there's actually uh, not too far away as well. There's Patient Wolf uh, Distillery around the corner too. So they, we got we got a good little a, creative hub going on here. Do they have a bar space? Uh, I don't think they do yet. Um, I'm going to catch up with him next week, though. Uh, he came in our opening night. I'm going to catch up with uh, I think it's David uh, next week and uh, go check really out his space. Good. I, yeah, um, oh, we're definitely going to get it on the bar as soon as cool. as soon as as soon as we can. It opens up some fun space for collaboration as well. Yeah, I, I had one yeah. the other day, um, and it was delicious. Just yeah, so impressed by it. Yeah, and also uh, uh, one of the co-op cider from Fair Ferments. Yep, mm-hmm. they they use the office space at Foreigner, so we sort of have cider oh, cider yeah. maker in the neighborhood as well. Yeah, yeah. So it's good. It's good. Uh, it's good. I think it's a good community. Uh, I think we're gonna have a good little a good little neighborhood, and uh, I haven't I haven't met the Himmelhun guys yet, but the Foreigner guys, um, I've been over and checked out their setup, and um, Mira, one of the brewers, was here last night checking out ours, and uh, we're sharing uh, we're sharing a uh, guy that takes grain from us, and uh, kind of working together. It's good. It'd be good if you ever need to borrow a cup of sugar, so to speak, <laughs> <laughs> or a bag of dextrose. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, opening wise, you're sort of open open limited hours at the moment. Mm. Uh, what's sort of the plan, I guess, for that for the bar space? Yeah, well, uh, as you probably noticed, we sort of just popped up out of nowhere. We didn't do a whole lot of pre-opening hype because. Um, in an ideal world, you'd have lots of money and you'd uh, be able to get all your permits together and then spend three months preparing for an amazing grand launch opening. But um, that was definitely not a luxury we could afford. So uh, yeah, we just popped up out of nowhere. So at the moment, we're just going to try to get the word out. Um, So uh, it's good to have you guys pop in and pay me a visit. But um, uh, currently, we're open from Fridays and Saturdays from 4 to 11. And basically, once uh, once the word gets around and we start having a good group in on Fridays and Saturdays, um, uh, depending on how busy it is, we'll either get a couple more tanks, uh, a couple more fermenters, and then open on Thursdays and Sundays as well. Um, or we'll, uh, won't need another cu- couple of fermenters, and we'll, also, we'll probably still eventually open t- uh, Thursdays and Sundays as well. But yeah, so eventually we'll be open Thursdays and Sundays. Um, and, uh, and yeah, that'll probably be as many days as the bar would open. Yeah. Um, I know we've got a lot of home brewers and people wanting to do similar things mm. than what you've done. Uh, I've had a lot of them uh, visit me in the last few weeks. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> What's the, I guess, what are the lessons that you would want to impart to people that are wanting to do something similar to this? Um, who? <laughs> <laughs> We've got plenty of time if you... <laughs> yeah, well, no, I mean, so, yeah. Uh, I mean, like, the main thing is it's everyone's... One of the, the most unuseful pieces of advice I got uh, when... Probably it was probably one of the first uh, home brewer to pro brewer events at Good Beer Week. Uh, one of the most 
one of the pieces of advice I got that was the least useful was that it's going to be more work than you think it will be, and it'll cost you more money than you think it will cost you. It's not exactly very helpful, but it's also very, very true. Um, so I think, I think if you're a home brewer and you want to start your own brewery, there's a couple of, thi a couple of things to keep. The, the main things you need to worry about is uh, location and uh, decide what financial model you want to use. Because if you have a lot of money, you've got, a, you've got more options. Um, if you don't have a lot of money, you, you need to be realistic about what you can actually afford. Uh, and you got to be really realistic about how long it'll take to get going. So I took, like, it took us, at Henry Street, it took us probably about nine months to get all our permits. Um, and taking all that knowledge and all that experience and applying it to the permitting process this time, guess what? It still took me about nine months. Like, it's, it's just, it depends by, it really depends on your council. So if there's a, if there's a precedent brewery, like another brewery that's in the council already, ask them how long it took. And that'll give you a much better indication of how long the process will take. Because often it'll be the exact same planning officer dealing with your application. Um, but yeah, that's that's what I... And you got to... It's it's getting harder. One thing that's changed a lot in the last three years from when I set up uh, Henry Street with Phil was um, it's getting a lot harder to find a good warehouse space where there's not already a brewery. So you'll find out... You'll, you'll find it... It's almost funny. Like when I was looking for warehouses, there's a lot of warehouses available on the exact same street as Mountain Goat or... A, on Duke Street in in uh, oh, Abbotsford yeah. <laughs> next to Moon Dog. Not anymore. Oh. They've bought them all. I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're just, they're just moving into the whole street. Um, but yeah, it's getting. Uh, even Kensington has two breweries now. Um, and Footscray. Is there another one opening up now? There. There's been a couple shot down, and ah, there's right. another one that's a brew pub applying for permits at the moment. Okay. Uh, I, I think when their Facebook page is up. So I've I heard wi I've heard whispers it. of one that's going to pop up in Essendon and one that's going to pop up in Mooney Valley. Yeah. Um, but I, don't, I think they're still a ways off yet. I, uh, look, I think everyone, every second person we talk to, you yeah. could name a suburb. There's one about to pop up. Yeah, too, yeah. yeah. And like, yeah. I know a bunch of people that are looking for space or are doing. And Collingwood's really busy and, and over and the rent's overpriced because everybody's warehouse is actually a future office building from yeah. a real estate's perspective. Right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, but yeah, um, finding location's really tough. Um, and another thing different from three years ago is now you need to have a bar. Like you are not going to get your kegs on taps. Um, you talk to any gypsy brewer and they'll tell you how hard it is. Yeah, but, uh, I feel like that's one of the uh, lessons that we've probably. Uh, had told to us from more people than anything else. Yeah. First of all, probably the first lesson is probably uh, give yourself more space and be a bit more ambitious than you thought. And the other yeah. one is you've got to have some money moving through the business. Yeah. You got you got to get that cash flow going in as soon as you open. Yeah. Yeah, and that's it is interesting. Like increasingly, I want to drink in places like this or, or like Foreigner or like Hop Nation, where the ambition is making good beer not taking over the world with beer. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's kind of cool that, you know, as we said, there's three other or two other places around here that are doing similar things. And yeah, and they're and they're literally within, I think Foreigner would, is the furthest one of, between Foreigner and Himalhoon, Foreigner's a bit further and it's maybe a six minute walk. Yeah, yeah it's not yeah. far at all. Yeah. yeah. Are you going to be allowed to put any signage on, is it Leslie Street that runs off? Victoria? Yeah, I ha that's, that's on my list of things to do next week is uh, look into uh, Moreland's rules regarding A-frames and street signage yeah. and that kind of thing. But I can, I think I can definitely uh, get an A-frame on, on Leslie Street, the yeah. side street. But um, I've, then I've got, then I, I, what I, 
need to get some sort of signage on like the upfield. We're really close to the upfield bike path yeah. and yeah. Uh, Brunswick Station, so it'd be good to get some sort of sign on on upfield. Amazing, yeah. Get an sure. old bicycle. The old bicycle trick might be the way to go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. It is kind of cool though. Like you walk down Lisey Street and there's not much around, mm. and then you kind of look down this. Is it Russell Street that you're actually yeah. technically on? Yeah. And yeah, you just kind of see the, your one light light lit up sort of sign. The round sign, it's the, like uh, the uh, golden orb of, uh, of of beer calling you to the yeah, end. Of the yeah, yeah, like yeah. oh, there's a there's a little brewery down there. But um, actually, on, on Leslie Street, there's Jazz Lab just around the corner. Yeah, so, yeah, we um, walked past that. A funny little. Uh, is it? Have you been inside? Uh, I haven't been in yet, um, but uh, it's actually quite big inside. And oh, they've, right. got a, they've got a pretty big capacity, and it's the old Bennett Lane uh, guy. Yeah. Uh, that's his new his new place, yeah, and yeah. they're they're very busy some nights. I've been too busy to go check it out, but yeah. I think my brother might have played there recently. At the old Bennett Lane or at well, the then Jazz Lab? Then it must be good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know he's mentioned it before. Because oh, he's mentioned yeah. the old Bennett Lane crew. But. And then across, across this, and then across uh, Victoria Street, where Relais Street ends, there's uh, Los Hermanos, the taco place. that uh, They do really well as well. So there's... And the Vic pub, the the Vic just around the corner is a. We know, noticed that they had a uh, stomping ground and Bodrigi signs. Yeah, they're pretty good about uh, about having. Uh, they've got uh, they've had stomping ground. They've got uh, uh, Young Henry's. They've got they're pretty got a pretty good. Uh, they've got quite a few craft beer taps. Yeah, and we're we're pretty friendly with the uh, the staff there. They they came on our opening, and we have knockoff drinks there. Yeah, pretty that's frequently. Nice. Yeah, it, yeah, it's just just thinking how much things have changed, mm. even from three years when you opened Henry Street to this. Um, yeah, you just you can find good beer so easily without even really looking now. Um, yeah, which is cool. No, it's, it's that's the way we want to, the direction we want to go. Yeah, yeah. Anything you want to add before we wrap things up? Uh, not really. Just uh, tell people to come check us out and uh, you know support independent beer. And uh, I'm sure you'll if you even if you don't make it down to the brewery, you'll, I'm hoping you'll you'll see us pop up in a few places in the future. Awesome, cool. Yeah. How does how do people uh, keep track of Inner North on the socials. Uh, we're on Instagram and Facebook, not Twitter. Um, I, somebody t- once told me that uh, only uh, sign up to a social media if you're going to be uh, active on it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think <laughs> hospitality now, just do Instagram and Facebook, it seems. Yeah, we're on Instagram and Facebook. We have a website as well that's c- it's currently more of a landing page, um, but uh, that'll probably get extended um, in nothing. the future. Yep. Yeah, so we'll, we'll pro- I'll probably uh, start a blog at some point. Um, we've got a, got a great construction camera that we had up during the construction. Oh, and yeah. Once, oh, once I stitch that video together, I'll probably do a kind of a uh, Hello World-esque blog yeah. kind of a thing. Yeah, cool. um, not not quite to the transparency as Black Hops or anything like that, but uh, <laughs> just to, just to get, keep people in the loop of what's going on here. Yeah, awesome. Nice. Well, thank you so much for your time, and yeah, good luck for the uh, getting this place humming as you want it to be. Yeah, thanks very much. Thanks for having us.